0: This is the Onkazine Brief with Peter Hofland and Sonia Portillo.
1: For this edition of the Onkazine Brief, we sat down with Dr. Bob Pinedo, now professor emeritus and a consultant to the board of the Free University Medical Center in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, as well as a visiting professor at the Technical University of Twente, also in the Netherlands. Thank you for joining us. I'm Peter Hofland, here with my co-host Sonia Portillo, reporting from the 53rd Annual Meeting of the American Society of Clinical Oncology, ASCO, which was held in Chicago from June 2nd until June 6th, 2017. After serving for more than 25 years as the chief of the Department of Medical Oncology of the Free University Medical Center in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, Dr. Pinedo remains a real powerhouse in the world of oncology.
2: Dr. Pinedo was born and raised in Curaçao, where he lived for 16 years. And for people who do not know where Curaçao is, it's an island in the Southern Caribbean Sea, close to Aruba. He travels to his home country of Curacao each month to continue his work in developing new prevention strategies to detect hard-to-diagnose cancers. Dr. Pinedo is definitely an early pioneer of translational research.
1: He has spent more than 40 years researching cancer biology, drug treatment, and resistance, and it can be said that his accomplishments have helped to better understand cancer treatment. Dr. Pinedo is typically someone who seeks collaboration with other specialists. For example, here in the United States, he has worked with a number of pioneers in oncology, including Dr. Bruce Chapner at the National Cancer Institute, where he conducted pharmacology studies to understand the effects of certain drugs on bone marrow stem cells. And this, in turn, has helped develop new clinical strategies.
2: Yes, and considering the time... When Dr. Pinedo was working on these developments, there wasn't multidisciplinary treatment across hematology, surgical, and radiation oncology. Dr. Pinedo sought to change that.
1: Interestingly, the work he did to accomplish this was recognized by his peers, and in 2014, during the 50th anniversary of the American Society of Clinical Oncology, he received the Karnofsky Prize.
2: He got this prize because of his success in developing professional relationships among colleagues creating a dynamic learning experience in translational research. In his 2014 Karnofsky Lecture, Dr. Pinedo equates this with crossing the bridge.
1: Overall, Dr. Pinedo has played a major role in the progress against cancer. And during the 53rd annual meeting of the American Society of Clinical Oncology, we sat down with Dr. Pinedo, asking him a number of questions about the various programs presented at ASCO, but also about his home country of Curacao, and some of the exciting projects he is currently working on.
2: Let's listen.
3: So uh, walking around here at ASCO, what were some of the, and this this 53rd ASCO actually, what are some of the interesting things that you've noticed during this annual
4: meeting? Well, uh, Peter, there are so many things that it's hard to, to mention them. All so many developments uh, going on. I'm very impressive. Are is the uh, the escalating uh, excellent results uh, with immunotherapy. Um, I think uh, that's an area that I have been involved in the past, in the 80s and 90s. um, Very. Early, I have been doing uh, immunotherapy in the Netherlands. In those days, people didn't believe at all in it, and uh, but uh, I was uh, vaccinating patients in uh, with their own tumor, and these were colorectal cancer patients, and. Um, then uh, I there were, we didn't have these excellent uh, drugs like we have now. We had uh, rather primitive drugs like uh, GM-CSF, which is a trigger of uh, dendritic cells, which we used also. So um, I have also used GM-CSF genetically many manipulated genes um, with uh, the GM-CSF gene. Um, to give uh, immunotherapy, and uh, this was later. So the first studies were my studies with colorectal cancer. And some of those things that I have been doing, I see now happening in a more sophisticated way. You see a lot of uh, good results with immunotherapy, like the checkpoint inhibitors. They are working excellent in... Uh, in uh, um, renal cell cancer, in melanoma, in lung cancer, but what we have seen here today is that those checkpoint inhibitors can be um, um, the effect of them can be increased by adding some small agents, because we are understanding better how they stimulated T cells and how the T cells, which are the ones that kill the cancer cells, how they enter into the tumor. And that entering into the tumor is a very important part of the game. They may reach the door of the tumor, but the door is not open for them. And now there are some drugs we are finding that can open that door, let them in, and then have their effect better. So immunotherapy is one. The other one is uh, um, personalized medicine. Like uh, we see a lot, in particular in lung cancer, happening where you can um, uh, make use of um, mutated genes and their um, and their effect on the cancer cells, and. Um, There are now drugs that can make use of them. There are drugs that uh, inhibit those mutated cancer cells. And it has started particularly in lung cancer, but also in breast cancer. In breast cancer, it was Herceptin, the first one. In lung cancer, it was Tarsheva, the first one. And what you see now is there are many, many more of these type of drugs being developed that can make use of a mutation, a different mutation than the initial one, and those those drugs are being used uh, after uh, the cancer cell gets resistant to one of those personalized drugs. There are new drugs for the resistant cells as well. And so you switch from one drug to the other, from one personalized drug to the other personalized drug. That is something that you see here at the meetings, that many, many of these drugs are being developed. So, unfortunately, still it's a question of time because um, the duration of the effect, is not that long. It's maybe six months, maybe a year, maybe even two years, but the tumor will come back. And then you need another immunotherapy or another per- personalized agent and go on and on. But you are not curing. It becomes a kind of chronic disease that we are dealing with. So the best way we have learned here also is to go for prevention, to prevention of the cancer, either primary prevention, stop smoking altogether, uh, for instance, or um, secondary prevention, detect the tumor when it's very small. And then you can, the surgeon or the radiotherapist can cure the, that patient. So. Um, there is a lot of early diagnostic studies ongoing, for instance, the liquid bi- um, biopsies that are being taking, taken out of the blood and where circulating cancer cells are detected and where even the DNA from those circulating cancer cells is floating in the blood and can be measured. And if the DNA is abnormal, is mutated, you can uh, even detect it from the blood you don't need to go into the tumor that's a t- tremendous advance you don't need to take a biopsy from the tumor if, um, so you don't need that is less of a hassle to the patient and so while there is a lot of development in the treatment while the you, the patients are living longer and longer with their disease while we are detecting the tumor earlier we are also taking care of the quality of the life of patients we have better drugs to uh, treat the pain we have better drugs to treat the uh, the vomiting or the nausea of the patient so there is so much ongoing at the moment and as I start, when I started more than 40 years ago, it was very primitive to com- compare to what uh, I've been seeing here today, these days. And um, we didn't have those drugs. The patient suffered a lot. And now the patients are, uh, the doctors can keep them alive with a good quality of life.
3: Okay. So you you mentioned a little bit about personalized medicine and when I talk to different people different physicians um, there is such a huge um, difference in their explanation of what is personalized medicine. Can you explain a little bit about that?
4: Well personalized medicine is a very general term so it's logical that there are many explanations for it, and if um, you can use all drugs for personalised medicine if you, you um, let's say if, if you have uh, a disease only in the liver you, and you treat the disease in that liver without um, bugging the patient with uh, uh, other toxicities, but just focus on the liver, that's also kind of personalized medicine. But nowadays, we understand on the personalized medicine more the um, either biochemical abnormalities, which are specific for that particular patient and make use of that with a certain treatment or genetically uh, abnormal abnormalities which um, we can detect easily and again make use of that personalized medicine just means that you're making use of some certain findings at diagnosis of the cancer and for that particular patient and without giving the same treatment to everyone
3: so you mentioned genetically, molecularly, I mean, in individual approach to that. Now, let's shift gears a little bit. I mean, you have a tremendous experience. You have, uh, I mean, m- more than 40 years experience in this field. If you, and one of the unique f- features of that experience is that you have experience both in Europe, the United States and Curacao, Curacao where you, f- where, where you were originally from. Now, if you look at cancer treatment in each of those areas, you look at Curacao, you look at the Netherlands, you look at the United States, how is cancer treatment different in each of those areas?
4: Uh, That's, uh, um, if I take Holland and the United States, they are pretty close to each other as far as the cancer treatment is concerned. The only thing is that um, uh, many of these new treatments are extremely expensive and people look at more at how long. What is the benefit for this particular patient? But um, of course, we um, we can we use more or less the same drugs in Holland as in the United States. In Curacao, the problem is more difficult because we. we don't have the very sophisticated, personalized uh, and the, uh, medicine against certain mutations because the diagnostic tests are not being done as often as here, as often as in Holland. So the, the, the patient will need to travel in order that to be done. So that is something we are working on. So in Curaçao, for instance, it's much more important to um, focus on prevention. And this new government that started yesterday announced that they are going to put a lot of emphasis on prevention, and I think that's a very wise decision.
3: You you mentioned about some of the changes in Curaçao when it comes to treatment options that may be coming available. Tell me a little bit about some of the initiatives that you're involved with in, in Curacao.
4: In Curacao, have, there was no screening for cancer when I start, started seven years ago visiting Curacao and living. Actually, I live there and I travel every month to Holland. But uh, um, So I have set up a, a breast cancer screening and a cervical cancer screening, and that's running very well. And. Um, um the day after tomorrow, I am visiting Curaçao and I hope to talk with the minister and, and who is very enthusiastic about this and see whether we can pass it on to the government. Let them continue it like in Holland.
3: So you, you mentioned uh, about, about diagnostics um you've been involved also in different kind of product development areas when uh, i think something called a nanopill in terms of diagnostics um, how does that benefit patients
4: well that is uh, the the nanopill which we are working on is a pill with which we hope to do early diagnostics improve early diagnostics of cancer and that is in the very beginning still but the idea is that we will screen with that uh, bill screen the patients when it's ready but at the moment we are still working on it so we we cannot use it Uh, but the, the idea is i said how important prevention is the idea is to detect the cancer whatever cancer you have at an early stage and repeat that test every six months.
3: So, when you talk about early cancer, um, when you, for example, talk about late stage, early stage cancer, uh, if you, for example, stage one versus stage three or four, what is the difference in survival benefit of early diagnostic in in, in numbers maybe?
4: Oh, early diagnostics will, will will reduce the number of late stages and so you, the patient will have no metastasis at the moment you diagnose it, the, make the diagnosis so your cure rate will go up and uh, the chronic cancer patients will become less. Um, less and less. In conclusion, and
3: that's my last question for you for today. um, For 40 years of working in this field, what are some of the things that you're very proud of?
4: Well, I'm very proud of the fact that uh, I started immunotherapy um, in the 80s in Holland and uh, vaccinating the patients. And it did work, but it is uh, rather a complicated way more complicated than using uh, a pill or an infusion. But I am very and, and the fact that I've been doing phase one, I started doing phase one studies in Holland in the 70s. And um, there are several drugs which have been registered from my work over there. So I am very proud of that as well. Also for instance that I, I did the, one of the very early anti-angiogenic Uh, Phase 1 studies with Sujin from California in those days. We did them in Holland. And uh, so different paradigms have been started in my department.
2: This interview clearly demonstrates how Dr. Pinedo is someone who continues to think outside the box of conventional treatment options in cancer.
1: And it is so interesting to note that his experience covers more than 50 years in Europe, the United States, and the Caribbean. We know that based on this interview, you may have questions. So please submit your questions to our editorial team via email, Facebook, or Twitter. We'll post as many answers as we can on our website on cuisine at oncozine.com. Thank you all. Thank you for listening. I'm Peter Hoffland, here with my co host Sonia Portillo, and this is The Encouzine Brief.
0: The Encouzine Brief was produced for Sun Valley Communication by Peter Hoffland, Sonia Portillo, Evan Went, David Kaler, and Sean Mayer, and distributed by PRX, Public Radio Exchange, and In Press Media Group. Support for the Oncozine Brief comes from our listeners and commercial underwriters. For more information about underwriting options, contact Sean Mayer at 949-923-1660 or visit our website at oncozine.com forward slash underwriting. The Oncozine Brief contains health and medicine-related information, and is provided for educational and informational purposes only. The content is not intended as a substitute for professional medical or health advice and does not replace your doctor's advice. Your doctor is the best person to answer questions about your personal health. If you hear something in this program that doesn't agree with what your doctor has told you, ask him or her about it.